first 2018 world series true blue la podcast edition i said some of those words out of order but i don't care eric steven how are you doing pretty good pretty um uh yeah pretty excited slash happy there are off days in between the yes in the world series (laughs) Uh, but yeah uh, we have a world series to talk about on a dodgers podcast so that's something uh, so yeah, yeah two years in a row, you know, I've been been doing this. Hopefully it goes a little, you know, just a, like, let's say one game better than it did last yeah. year. I would take that. Uh, you and I recorded between games uh, two and three uh, via phone. I was traveling. I did not have my microphone, so we did it old school style. And then you and I both just got super busy with everything that was going on, both in playoffs and with travel that we did not record. So we have got, we have five games, five, they played all of them of the NLCS <laughs> to, to talk about. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the world series coming up and how the Dodgers match up against the Boston Red Sox. And I think even if it was like a, um, almost a normal scenario where like both of us were home or something like the, just the, the hectic uh, nature of last week was like, it would have been difficult to record under those circumstances mm-hmm. too. Like, so, um, but yeah, so we got a lot to cover. Um, I, it was like, I guess both little segments are like, um, actually probably the whole series, uh, is kind of like the Dodgers season in a nutshell. So yeah, the, the, exactly what I was going to start with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. First two games in Milwaukee, they lose the first, they come back to win the second. Then they go to the, uh, to LA, they lose the first, get shut out too. And then. Uh, win the next two, including a walk-off. Um, and until the very end of Game 5, they didn't really yeah. look good. <laughs> they just kind of like were on the right half of the teeter-totem when the uh, when the ninth inning ended in two of those yeah. games. But really up until the very end of Game 5, they looked like <laughs> kind of in a sluggish equilibrium. Yeah, and as good, and we'll get into this, but as good as like Kershaw was, he, he his day could have been derailed at a couple of different points in that game, and like it could have gone completely differently. And then, so they go back, hey, we can win it now. Uh, the Dodgers can win it now in Milwaukee. So they go to game six, um, and then they, like, first inning, um, Hyunjin Ryu, who hadn't allowed um, more than three runs in a start all year, allows four runs in the first inning, like just conse- <laughs> consecutive two-out hits, uh, just craziness. So they lose that game, and then course they they win in game seven and again another very close game in the middle innings and then they finally sort of broke free a little bit but yeah i mean nothing is nothing's ever easy but like it seems like especially with the 2018 dodgers like not like truly nothing is easy they have there's always some sort of weird uh long avenue to get there so the recap the last five games that we haven't talked about maybe we just uh, top five sort of series defining plays because i think other than maybe Turner's home run uh, in game two, at least from the Dodgers' perspective, most of the key moments really did come in those last five games. So yeah. I, I think I, I've got – I'm going to go kind of as best as I can in order. Uh, let's let's start with game four then since game three was was less than stellar. Uh, do, 
both of Bellinger's plays come to mind for me. Oh, the the sliding catch, the sliding and catch, the, and the yeah. the walk off. as it were. I enjoyed that, and like so, the the main thing about that catch for me, um, was that the way that game worked out. The game went thirteen innings. It was five hours and fifteen minutes. Um, and Bellinger was in right field when he made that catch, which is like he's like he's played center and he's played first. He's played all over the outfield uh, the last couple of years, but. This year only played like 11 innings or something in right field. So that was kind of weird. But he made that nice sliding catch um, to sort of keep the game tied. And then he had uh, – so it was, it was Manny Machado, uh, hero of Milwaukee. Uh, <laughs> and um, uh, he was on second, and Bellinger singled him home and uh, in the 13th for the walk-off. So that was sort of how that game ended. But – so the, the key to that game was this. Uh, both teams were out-of-position players. It, understandable. It's the 13th inning. Um, the Dodgers were, like, running dangerously low on pitchers, too. Uh, Julio Urias uh, came in that game, and his plan was to go, like, two or three innings, maybe. And after that, it was going to be Hyunjin Ryu, who was game six starter. And so then and then uh, they, like, they said they were out-of-position players. So, But it came up in the 13th where um, – Bellinger actually fell behind uh, with two strikes, which sort of changed the complexion of that at bat because the Brewers had the option, especially with Machado on second, to walk Bellinger and Yasmani Grandal, who was next, although it, you know, <laughs> as bad as, as well. Grandal's struggle, right? You know, why don't you try to pitch him? But the, the theory being because then um, Julio Urias would have had to bat. And then, or if the Dodgers were going to bring in another pitcher, they would have had to pitch hit for him with a pitcher. So, that's a like if you're in a bad spot. That's that's like they were considering it, but I, uh, Craig Council said because of the two strikes on Bellinger, they decided to go after him, and it didn't work. It worked in the Dodgers' favor, so they kind of maybe got helped a little bit by that. Um, so yeah, so that that's that's that, those are my sort of thoughts on that one. That was a, a wild, very long, very long game four. And something we should mention because it will probably at least dictate how the media is going to cover the World Series, is Machado's uh, less than clean uh, running the first uh, earlier in that game. Yeah, uh, we might as well earn the explicit tag on this one. Um, to, quote, <laughs> to, to quote um, Christian Yelich, fuck that motherfucker, I believe was his exact words. Um, but also, he's a dirty... It was a dirty play by a dirty player. So it was a ground ball... Um, uh, Jesus Aguilar like kept his foot on the bag, which was kind of weird at first base. Usually, first basemen have their foot like on the side of the bag, so they don't get like stepped on. But Machado like sort of slowed down and appeared to kick him on purpose with his other leg, sort of um, swept the leg a little bit as he went by. It was, I mean, it's a bad look for Machado. Like, there's almost no way to look at that and say, "Whoops, you know, it was an accident." Like, it's pretty clearly Machado's like you know bad dude on that play. And then, look, he has a history. Um, he he uh, injured uh, Dustin Pedroia on a slide last year. There was like a bat throwing thing against the Red Sox. I think so. As we're recording this, it's media day in Boston for the World Series, and like I'm seeing like tweets from the Red Sox are like speaking first, and it seems like everybody's trying to get them to like comment on Machado, and like nobody's really biting, you know. <laughs> so um, I don't know if that's going to come out, but. Uh, it's going to be forced by yeah. Fox. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> Whether oh, or not yeah. it actually comes out by the uh, the players. 
So for sure, if, yeah. If anyone's only tuning in or you know missed is a little out of the loop, I want to make sure they're aware of why uh, why Smoltzy and uh, Buck are going to be probably hammering this home a little bit too much. And then when it got back to Milwaukee, um, the fans like credit to the Brewers fans, although you know same group that like lustily cheered Josh Hader at every chance they got after they gave him like a standing ovation after his like tweets surfaced, like somehow he was the victim in that, but whatever. Uh, that's a, that's a different issue, but they took it upon themselves to like hammer Machado. And they, that was, they did an excellent job of that. They booed him like every, like every second of every at bat, anytime he got a ground ball, every time there was a strike against him as a batter, they cheered. It was, it was a pretty awesome thing. Like from a sports fan standpoint or like atmosphere, that was a, that was a, they really took control of that. But yeah, so that was sort of the backdrop of Machado, and he scored the winning run in game four in the same game after he did that uh, dirty play, as the you know, as a lot of people have called it. Moving on to game five, the there were sort of three key moments in game five. Hey, two really for me. Uh, it was Clayton Kershaw's strikeout of was Aguilar. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Um, and then uh, the, the as as it will forever be known, the Austin Barnes at bat, <laughs> right? Sort of the what what a like sort of on the surface. If you just look, if you twenty years from now they're gonna like this is gonna be one we're gonna have to explain why this at bat was so consequential. When you know, like, well, okay, you know, run score that was good, but why was it so big? Um, um, so, where do you want to start? So with the at bat with Aguilar first, so that was a huge inning for Kershaw. It was ended up being a thirty-two pitch um, third inning. And like, but I forgot, I almost forgot something from game four. I'll just go back because it sort of ties in. Sure, sure. Um, that game was one to one into the 13th inning. The Brewers tied it in the fifth uh, in game four. And then um, Christian Yelich was up with a runner on second. And, you know, Yelich was the, is going to be the MVP. Um, he slugged like 770 in the second half. He was, he, uh, Nearly. So that was a huge spot for Rich Hill. Um, and then he fell behind 3-0. So that's like a precarious position um, in that game. And he threw him three straight curveballs uh, down 3-0. Yelich took the first two, both for strikes. And it's always weird with Rich Hill. Sometimes he doesn't get like the high strike call or anything as curve. Um, so it, it can like really affect his performance. But, you know, both of those were pretty clear strikes. And then he got Yelich to swing at a third consecutive curveball and I think um, someone, I forget, Mike Petriello tweeted it. I can't remember who exactly looked it up, but it was something like in the last four years since StatCast like tracked this stuff. Um, no one, there's only been like two other guys who were de- um, through three straight curveballs after 3-0. And like, so <laughs> Rich Hill got it there. That was a huge thing. Um, Rich Hill talked about after the game two. Um, kept the game tied, which was of course huge because the score remained that for eight more innings. So, um, that was a huge at bat. So it set the tone for the next day. You know, in game one, Kershaw, you know, scoreless couple innings and then really faded in the third. Um, and it was, it was looking like that was happening again in game um, five. And, uh, you know, the Brewers scored one in the inning. And like I said, 32 pitches. And I think like it was like eight or nine of them to Aguilar. Um, uh, but so bases loaded, one down one nothing. This is like another huge moment. Brewers could really take control of this game and be up three two. Um, so, but then Kershaw struck out Aguilar, and that so that was like a huge moment. And then he followed it by not giving up anything. <laughs> he went um, uh, 
he the, the next four innings nobody reached base so 13 the last 13 in a row so he needed what 32 pitches in that inning and i think he threw 44 pitches the, the next four innings so it was like total turnaround for kershaw but then uh why the barnes at bat was so important was because we that that entire kershaw like future would have been like cut in half because um this gets to the thing where the like the uh, Kershaw was on deck when Barnes was hitting in the fifth. At this point in the series, the Dodgers had like wretched numbers with like runners in scoring position. It was like it was something crazy. Like I think it was like it was like six or seven for like forty something. It was you know pretty bad. And uh, they're down one nothing. Um, runner on third at that point with one out. Yasiel Puig is standing in the on deck circle for Kershaw. So like had Barnes not uh, driven in the run, very good chance that Kershaw's out of the game at that point because you have to score. So you got to try um, uh, with with a pinch hitter instead of Kershaw. But then Barnes like actually delivered and got a single up the middle, and it made it one one. It kept Kershaw in the game, and he pitched two more scoreless innings. So that's good for him. And then the Dodgers kind of like it opened the floodgates a little bit for the Dodgers offense. They they got like. Um, a bunch of like I think four different RBI singles and then like an RBI ground out. So they for you know it was a kind of an after a rough go of it, they 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 kind of finally found their offense. And then game six happens uh, as you mentioned, Ryu kind of uh, doesn't have a stellar performance to put it very delicately. Um, mm-hmm. Dodgers never really in it after after the first um, and with one more tacked on the second. But in Game 7, there's the three big plays, and we can talk about them all, I suppose. The first was Bellinger's home run in the second inning. Yeah. Which um, really cinched the – what a weird – I was thinking about going into this game, like, geez, if the Dodgers win, who's the MVP? It's so – like, Chris Taylor has the numbers for sure, but up until middle of Game 7, didn't really have a signature moment. And yeah. the two signature moments at that point, or three, were like Barnes – Kershaw probably can't give it to Kershaw because of his game one, but then two for Bellinger. And so, and the the setup to the Bellinger home one run was like sort of fitting because sure. <laughs> you all like like John Smoltz has has been broadcasting every single game of the Dodgers postseason, and guess who's on the World Series? Uh, so, like every time there's a shift ever, like he he brings up, I don't understand why modern players don't just um, take the bunt, you know, and it's like clearly the easiest play in history. Why don't you get a free single out of it or whatever to start a rally? And so um, time after time, it never happens and he brings it up. So then fittingly, Machado uh, it, with a 3-2 count um, after swinging horribly at, at a couple sliders, gets like the best slider of the at-bat and he bunts for a hit. Um and so he 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 went full Saturday rally, um, and Bellinger was on deck, and he he crushed one for a home run, and the Dodgers were down one nothing at that point, and it, it gave him a two one lead. Um, so like you mentioned, you know, these sort of uh, you know like like signature plays. The one thing I, I just want to go back a little bit. I forgot about this. So game six, right? They uh, at this point. I don't want to um, think about game six. <laughs> right, but it's sort of like fine. So we we talked about how bad like Yasmani Grandal had it, and he had the two pass balls on the two errors, including the catcher's interference in Game One. He added a pass ball later in the series in Game Three, 
um, and did not start after game three. It got so bad. Like he was, he literally got like booed off the field, you know, almost at Dodger Stadium. Uh, and it was like it was a it was a reverse bias because it, it wasn't it was boom performance and not the person, although they were really mad at the person. So uh, it, yeah, it was bad. It really got bad for Yasmani Grandal. And then in Game Six, he came in later in like a double switch, and the Brewers were already up six to two at this point. With but there was a guy on third, and a wild pitch got away, and he just the the call. I think Joe Buck. The, Gets away from Grandal, and all I could think of that that was going to be the subtitle to this series, you know, like um, how how bad of a series it has been for him. But um, yeah, it was, it was brutal, and so that was sort of emblematic of Game Six for me. But yeah, so back to Game Seven. You mentioned the first play. What what was the second play for you? Uh, so the first play was Belgian. The second play is the Chris Taylor catch. Yeah. So we talked about um, Christian Yelich again. He doubled in game six. He really didn't do anything in the NLCS. He doubled in game six. He homered in game seven to give the Brewers an early one nothing lead. They're trailing 2-1 at this point. Um, they pull Walker Bueller. He, he was actually really good in game seven. Uh, he struck out seven, I believe, in four and two-thirds. But, you know, um, they pulled him to have Julio Urias face uh, Yelich, lefty on lefty. But... The first time Urias has ever pitched on back-to-back days, so um, this was rough. Like this was a <laughs> like uh, no big deal. Just throw him into the fire. It's just like, it's just the MVP. No big deal. Um, and he gets uh, ahead 0-2 on Yelich, and you're like, oh man, this is going to be great for Julio. And it became even like more important once we what we learned later, but didn't know at the time. But um, <clears throat> uh, but then he leaves an 0-2 pitch up, and Yelich like destroys it. Hits one like into the left center field gap. It's going to the warning track. Somehow, uh, Chris Taylor like tracked it down. A career infielder prior to 2017, mind you. Uh, he tracks it down, catches it. Uh, Cody Bellinger, who was playing center, like was running toward him, and he like he was sort of tracking it as well. And he immediately like jumped in the air, like it was it was like over Chris Taylor. So it's kind of funny. But yeah, great catch. Kept. Kept the Dodgers in the lead at that point. It's clearly it's tied if, if that doesn't um, get caught because there was a runner on second. Uh, I think Kane doubled. That's what brought, got Bell and, uh, Bueller out of the game. So, yeah, huge, huge thing for Taylor, who had, like, a really good series. Um, we are talking about MVP. Like, he had really, like, good, like, offensive numbers, especially, like, uh, you know, no one – not everyone pays attention to, like, walks and stuff, but his on base was good. Uh, but then, so yeah, you're thinking of MVP, then you had that signature catch. I'm thinking, man, it could be, at this point, no, nobody's ever won World uh, or NLCS or LCS MVP in back-to-back years. And he was the co-MVP last year with with uh, Justin Turner. So I was thinking, man, Chris Taylor could make history here. Like, um, But then a different candidate emerged with, with what I'm assuming is your last play. Yeah. How about uh, Puig? Yeah. So... Um, and it came after, um, so after the Yelich thing, it's in the sixth now. And at this point, the Dodgers had endured three innings of Josh Hader. During that rally, they pinch hit for Josh Hader, which meant no more Josh Hader in the entire NLCS. So quite a relief, yeah. What a, what a fantastic postseason he had, my God. It was like, I think it was 10 scoreless innings, 16 strikeouts. Like, he just was untouchable. Um, but he's out. 
So Jeremy Jeffress got brought in, who um, he gave the home run to Turner in game two. He and uh, a Barnes hit, I believe he called lucky, and was very angry about it um, earlier in the series. And then he comes in, and and then with two runners on, um, Yasiel Puig like uh, takes him out to center and like immediately bat flips and was going nuts around the um, uh, around the bases. But it was a ball that like. Like I think hit the top of the wall and went over, so it wasn't like a given, but whatever. It was pretty classic. Uh, so yeah, uh, you looked at the number that put the Dodgers up five-one, three-run homer. So then they get like breathing room; they could see the light at the end of the tunnel here. Um, but at this point, so just behind the curtain here, I was just sort of I think okay, it's going to be Puig winning the MVP. So I like sort of pre-wrote a. A post about getting the NLCS MVP for Puig. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, Taylor still has a shot. It could be like co-MVPs back-to-back years or whatever. So, I don't know. I, this is what I'm thinking. And then and then at the end, it comes out and Bellinger wins MVP, which, under, I mean, it's fine. You know, he go-ahead home run. He had the walk-off in game four. He had the great catch in game four. He was only a five in the series, so like 200, but whatever. Like they clutch hits, I get it. So it was a little weird, but these I don't really know. I think these are there's a lot of backroom shenanigans I think involved in these postseason awards, but sort of that, yeah. That's so that's that's sort of where we're at. I, I agree. Those were like the five sort of main plays of the last five games of the NLCS. So yeah, and now the Dodgers are still playing. Much, much too. Most of my joy, like you know, like it's mostly joy. I'm a little like I have to be a nervous wreck for another week. This is exciting. <laughs> Maybe more than a week. Yeah, Jeez, if the Dodgers yeah. sweep. That would be great. Yeah. So their game one is Tuesday. It's in Fenway, and game seven, if it gets played, is on Halloween. Last year ended on November first. So, yeah, could be could be a nice little long long path of games here, <laughs> or not. You know, Dodgers sweep. That'd be exciting. So let's look ahead. How did the Red Sox and Dodgers match up? Red Sox, obviously, I believe this was actually my prediction for the World Series. All, if Mm -hmm. you recall, you had the Astros winning the AL. Yeah. Um, The Red Sox led the league, led the majors, and and wins and best record. Uh, I believe the Red Sox have one more win than the Dodgers in terms of um, Pythag. So right. um, Pretty, and they're they're they they strike me as somewhat similar teams. just in terms of a lot of depth, a lot of really good defense, um, a, kind of a scary lineup top to bottom. But the re- um, uh, Kershaw's sale has a lot of comparisons to Kershaw. Um, yeah, just it, they're interesting how these two teams line up. Yeah, and like you mentioned, um, it's going to be Chris Sale and Clayton Kershaw in game one. So, like, what a matchup. That's great. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, they are really similar. Like, the, the Red Sox, they won 108 games. It's hard to, like, discount that they, like, sure. they kind of went through the Astros pretty easily the last four games. Like, they that pitching staff was nuts, like the Astros, and they, like, scored a lot on them <clears throat> um, and eliminated them in five games. So, that like, that's you get, that puts you on notice. And however, like, I will say this, the if you looked uh, on fan graphs, you could, you could sort, like, team stats by – you can eliminate – pitcher at bats so just look at like the offenses with like all the non-pitchers basically you know because stop me if you heard this before but the red sox play in the american league where they have the dh so what? it's a little weird yeah so but i thought this was interesting um 
So the Red Sox non-pitchers hit um, 269, 339, 454. Dodgers non-pitchers hit 257. So that's like the one slight, that's a big difference. But 341 on base, a little bit higher. 458 slugging, a little bit higher. And then if you adjust for like park and league, the um, the Red Sox WRC, uh, WRC plus is 111, which is very good. And I think it was like tied for second. But the Dodgers are 118. So you could make an argument that though the Red Sox love the majors in runs, they play in a favorable hitting environment at Fenway. Um, the, the Dodgers might have a better offense. However, like I will say that also, you know, the Dod- that that included like like nearly like league best numbers at catcher for the Dodgers during the season. And the Dodgers in the postseason, like I said, Grandall has basically played his way out of a job. Barnes didn't really hit all year except occasionally. Those two are a combined five for 42 in the postseason. They're, they have an OPS of like 420, 420-something. Uh, so um, they I'm not saying the Dodgers are a better offense, yeah. but I no, think they're we, closer we than – about how yeah. the NLCS was sort of emblematic of the Dodgers' entire season. But if you were, as we all know, after the Dodgers would have these this long dry spell, usually against the Reds, where they just weren't hitting a, hitting at all, they would then go win eighteen to zero or whatever. So if they're saving that for now, that is a wise decision, I think. Right, I think like it's one of those things like, um, you know, dingers would be a good way for yes. the Dodgers <laughs> to sort of win win the World Series. I, I think the best shot of those is like basically against David Price and Rick Porcello. They gave up. Um, I think Porcello gave up 27 home runs and Price 25. So they're they're prone to the long ball, and the Dodgers can sort of take advantage of that. I think Price is going in game two. I believe the Dodgers haven't announced this yet. I believe it's going to be Hyunjin Ryu. We'll probably find out later today. Um, but uh, yeah, so like yeah, there, it's a really even matchup. Like I like you said, I don't want to discount the Red Sox. They won 108 games. That's ridiculous. So yeah, I, I don't want to discount what they did. Um, so I think the Red Sox are you know, the favorites in the series. But that said, the Dodgers, like you said, match up with them very well um, offensively and pitching. The The one thing I would say is the Dodgers bullpen, which we were, we kind of thought were, were, was going to be um, a question mark, at least compared to previous seasons, has been really good. The Dodgers have a 130 ERA as a bullpen it is in the playoffs, so they're doing something right. Um, Kenley Jensen has yet to give up a run. Uh, in six appearances, so he's ten strikeouts and six and two thirds. So he looks a lot better than he did at, at times down the stretch. So um, and that's he, it. And it's not just the results yeah. too. He looks better. Yeah, like the stuff's there, the commands there. Like uh, he had uh, what he he. Uh, we also forgot to sort of mention this. Like he he pitched a four out appearance in Game Seven, but he didn't close it. That's because they saved the ninth inning for Clayton Kershaw on one day rest. Uh, and he pitched the perfect inning, and then now he's pitching in game one on two days rest. I mean, I know it's it's like a bullpen. It's not the same, but it kind of is. So, yeah, if you want to just, like, add to the Kershaw postseason lore or whatever, this is three straight years he's pitched on in relief on one uh, – or, or, I mean, I guess on uh, one or two, two days rest. Yeah. So, yeah, he closed out the 2016 LDS – he pitched four scoreless innings to keep the Dodgers in in Game 7 of the World Series last year. And then he closed out the NLCS this year. So, you know, just throw a few more notches in that belt for him, and I think it's good. And, um, yeah, and then now he's going to start Game 1 um, 
of the World Series. But yeah, so yeah, Kenley's look really good. Um, Ryan Madsen's gotten like huge outs, like in important situations. Um, so yeah, I uh, it's kind of working, <laughs> right? Oh, Pedro Baez, exactly. Like he's been great. Like so, it's not exactly how we thought it was going to happen, but it was. I will say this: the uh, I was surprised that so the, I remember the Dodgers. They like the bullpen, like absolutely shredded the Cubs last year. Like I don't. In fact, I, I want to say they almost threw a perfect game against them in that it was something like twenty four or twenty five straight hitters in a row. They retired, and but I know going into the World Series, the bullpen last year had given up like two runs. So this year it's five, and but the Dodgers bullpen in the World Series had a three fifty seven ERA, which is like fine, perfectly respectable uh, for a team. And but I know it's a long series, but then they you know they lost the seven games. So I think for the Dodgers to sort of pull this off, they have to have that bullpen as unfair of expectations as this is. They have to have that bullpen like almost operating at like. Um, you know, peak efficiency or and putting up zeros. Yeah. Well, like, it'll, be, we, it'll, think yeah. it'll be interesting because the results, like when you're going against the Red Sox offense and you're playing four games in Fenway, I don't expect zeros per se. But on the flip side, yeah. you're not going against the Brewers bullpen. You're again, you're playing in Fenway. I expect the offense to do mu- hopefully much, much, much better than they did in the NLCS. So For as sure. long as those two boats kind of rise in the same level, I'm I'm feeling confident. But if yeah. if only one happens, then I'm feeling a, a little nervous. A, cu- a couple of subplots here. You mentioned the Red Sox bullpen. Like, yeah, like Ryan Brazier has been sort of their surprise guy. Um, and then, but like, yeah, and then, but the, so the one s- sort of Dodger meta subplot is Joe Kelly exists. So like Dodgers fans everywhere, like, like wincing in their ribs right now, you know, as they think about, think about this. So uh, from 2013, um, and then the other like trick thing or weird thing about the series, and maybe we'll we might even record a podcast before then. But uh, when the series gets to um, Dodger Stadium and there's no DH, the Red Sox have talked about possibly having Mookie Betts, who's like a Gold Glove level right fielder, um, having him play second because that frees up an outfield spot for JD Martinez to be in the lineup, which makes sense. But the fact that Betts is that versatile is pretty amazing. He's probably going to be the MVP. So. That'll be interesting, but we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. I think there's, you know, we still have these two games in Boston. Sure. Too. On the but let's say on the flip side, how how do you think the Dodgers are going to use the DH? Yeah. So we're recording this on this Monday. Is we, as we, excited as I've been for a Dodger team to have access to the DH, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, it, of any team that's built for a DH in the National League, it's like this Dodgers team. Um, there's like super deep. So I think what's going to happen? Uh, we're recording this. Uh, the Dodgers don't like speak. I don't think until. Man, like uh, maybe, and like for a couple hours here. But um, anyway, you know it's going to be sale and price in the first two games. So like David Freeze is going to start one way or the other, and it's not going to be like the Brewers series where the the starter might get pulled after an inning or two. So he's going to get like full games. I think what you do there is you probably have Freeze at. Um, I don't know whether you go Freeze at first and like if you want to keep Muncie in the lineup. You know, Muncie at DH. I think it's it's an issue of who would you pinch it for. I think you would keep. Man, I, I think you'd start Freeze at first, and then maybe Muncie at DH. But I don't. I, I'm just. I don't know if they would play Muncie both games. Maybe they do. Maybe they they say like uh, Matt Kemp is going to be is looking good because he only he's only started three games. He hasn't really started against the lefties. Um, maybe they they like a matchup better. 
one of these games where it means that uh, you can keep uh, Brian Dozier in there. Maybe Kemp matches up better. Maybe Puig does. So that's going to be interesting. But Freeze is going to be in there one way or the other. They started Muncie at second a couple games. So maybe that frees them up. Uh, it'll be interesting. But they have options. That's that's kind of the point. Like they could do what they ever want, what they want to do. Um, so yeah, I, I. But it'll be interesting to see exactly how they pull that off. So your your speculation is that Kershaw game one, Ryu game two. Uh, I, I know we're just going Bueller and Hill. Is there any thoughts that that might get a shakeup, especially considering Ryu's performance in Game Six? Uh, I don't think so. I you know I think there there was some talk of like you know I I guess uh, what Ken Gurnick and Bill Plunkett yesterday had said they were still deciding on Kershaw game one because he you know he just pitched an in game seven maybe they hold him off for an extra day and if Kershaw wasn't going in game one it was going to be Rich Hill in game one. But I think it sounds like has is that that's not the case. It's going to be Rich Hill in Game Four, but like you could you could make an argument that like you could go Kershaw Hill one two, and then you give Ryu the extra rest um, because he'd be pitching in Game Two on a regular four days rest Friday to Friday to Wednesday. So um, maybe you like giving him the extra rest and pushing him to Game Three. Or maybe even game four, and then you have Bueller in three with the possibility of him wind up being seven again. But I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to maneuver that. It sounds. It sounds like what we know now. So the they've already had like some Red Sox talk today, and I guess from the reporters there, they said um, the Dodgers and they all. It's the next day starter is like usually one of the pregame talkers for game one or for each game. So then and it was like. Dodgers game one starter, you know, in parentheses, you know, listed before. But I guess the, the people on site said Clayton Kershaw will be speaking later today. So mm-hmm. I think that it was, was sort of the tip off that he's going to start game one. So after that, you know, you can make an argument that Hill might be better suited for that and then keep Ryu and Bueller at home. But I don't know. I think they're probably just going to roll with, I think they thought Rio Ryu's been their best. He had couple shaky outings against the Brewers, but I think they still are confident in him. So we'll see how that, the one thing about the the Red Sox, I'm pretty sure. Um, and I should have looked this up before seeing it, but I think they are worse against, um, um, lefties than righties. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I'm going to confirm that before we go to print with this, but, uh, you know, that's how we do. We print podcasts. Um, yeah. but yeah, so I th- I think that's the thing where, I, but it doesn't like I said, Bueller's the only right-handed starter, so it doesn't really matter. But like in terms of who you want to face, I, I don't know. Yeah, the Red Sox. Um, wow. Yeah, seven nineteen OPS against lefties, eight nine eight seventeen against righties. So fairly big difference. But again, it's not like Bueller's an option for Game Two, so I don't think it matters all that much. But yeah, so it'll, but we'll find out later today. I think it's going to be Kershaw Ryu. Okay, and uh, last on. Before we kind of just leave it to the fates and start watching the games, uh, do you think they'll go with the same twenty-five men as they had in the NLCS, or do you see any yeah. changes? So I think it's interesting because, like, look in a in a perfect scenario, they have a they have another option at catcher because, like, they they're they completely like were down on Grendel, but they kind of were last postseason too, and they used them occasionally. So I don't think it's an issue where they're going to have him off the roster because, like, we, we they don't really want to 
play call farmer behind the plate. They never really have. So I, that's like too drastic of a thing. Like they wouldn't go, they wouldn't go into the World Series like with Barnes Farmer um, as your two catchers. Uh, I guess you can make an argument that they could do add Farmer as another pinch hitter, but then you, at the expense of a pitcher. So I don't, I don't think they would do that necessarily. That said, it's not the, you know, um, for four of the seven games, uh, you don't have to like pinch hit for your pitcher, you know. So maybe you do do that. So I don't know, but you know, that's an option, not saying he's the leading option, but that's an option. Um, the other option would be like Rocky Gale would be, but they're not going to do that. I think that's extreme. Um, but I could see them adding like a, if they want to, you know, give Chase Utley the one last hurrah, or if they want to say Andrew Tolls is their guy uh, as an extra uh, position player and, and taking off one of the pitchers, maybe, but uh, and then the other interesting thing we don't. I, Jock Peterson played in Game Seven, but he only had one at bat. He uh, got hit in the hand uh, in Game Six. So if that's something that's still having complications, I guess that could be an issue. Although I think what they would do with that is uh, they'll they'll probably let it ride and let him uh, let him see how he feels, and then if he's hurt, then he, they would just replace him. But um, we'll I, we don't know that just yet. So maybe maybe they, that's a justification for keeping. Um, they're adding an extra position player just so you have a little bit more cushion for Peterson if he's hurt. Okay. Well, I feel as ready as I'll ever feel, which is not very, but are you ready? I think so. I, uh, today's the off day. Uh, had a busy like couple weeks here, so I'm, I'm not doing anything today uh, other than I did. I am watching the uh, Lakers Celtics um, 30 for 30 that was like five hours long or whatever from last year. So I'm getting my L.A. Boston rivalry um, flames stoked for, uh, before the series. So it's a, I'm getting my head in the right space for the World Series. So I'm excited. It's it's a matchup, a hundred and two uh, rematch, hundred and two years in the making. So last time these two teams played, Babe Ruth was a pitcher um, and a very good one at that. So um, yeah, it should be an interesting series. And I guess a quick recap for those who are wondering: I watched about half the games which included half the wins. I did my very standard check the score every half an hour for game uh-huh. seven. So that worked out really well. That's probably what I'll be start doing, except that game one is during pub trivia and I'm not going to be able to avoid it. So if oh. Kershaw just gives up a stinker, it's my fault and I'm very sorry. <laughs> but yeah, but but you at least you should at least win in trivia to justify I'll try. it. <laughs> I'm going to be so really that... bad because I'm going to be so nervous. Yeah. So I think we'll we'll probably record again on the off day before the home games. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it should be exciting. So enjoy the first two games, everybody, and happy World Series. <laughs>